Good morning again. Please be seated. Thank you so much for being with us. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 as we continue our march through the scripture from Genesis and make it all the way to Revelation at Christmas time. Uh, believe it or not, I think I'm most looking forward to um, Advent in Revelation this year. I can't hardly wait. We've been, uh, we, we might have to argue over who gets to preach a couple of those sermons as the time draw well I guess the time isn't drawing near yet but at when the time gets there but um, we have made it thus far in the second chronicles and I, I feel like we should maybe give a round of applause for everybody that's endured all of the lists of names thus far in chronicles it se- sort of seems that way doesn't it when you get into those lists for those of you that are reading through the bible with us you get into those lists of names I mentioned this on Wednesday night I want you to know it's a struggle for me too okay you're not all by yourself But I do want you to remember that those lists are important even if they seem a little bit difficult because those lists remind us that this is historical information. They are a tie to get, it was a tie, a cable if you will, to get Israel from their exile back to the Torah, back to uh, the time when God revealed himself, he brought them out of Egypt and he set up his kingdom. When they go into exile, that recollection, that recording of names, of genealogies serves to remind them that they are indeed God's people under God's rule even though they as a result of their sin have been removed from God's place so we can we can speak of the kingdom of God as being the people of God and the place of God under the rule and the blessing of God when Israel went into exile they continued to be the people of God living under God's rule but as a result of their sin they were not experiencing God's blessing and they had been kicked out of God's place You understand? So all of those lists of names remind us that this is history. So that was just a side note. That has that's not the sermon today, but I wanted to give it to you before the sermon. All right. Uh, First Chronicles or Second Chronicles chapter seven is where we're going to be. A couple of announcements just by way of reminder. Uh, Adam mentioned it already, but if you're a guest with us this morning, please do fill out one of those little connection cards. If you visit with us a bunch of times, you've never done that. Fill that out for us. We just would like to know that you were here. It helps us to know your name, and those things matter to us. So if you'll fill that out for us, we can drop you a letter in the mail this week. Uh, So just keep that in mind. I do want to remind everybody, I've been mentioning it a lot, it's in the newsletter, but uh, on the 23rd of this month, so two weeks from today, um, we're we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah examining the walls of Jerusalem. We're going to examine our own walls, and we're going to lay out uh, some uh, some vision for the future, what it's going to look like for we as a church as we walk into the next three to five to ten years. And so those are some of the things that are going to be happening as a part of the or- regular morning service that's going to be tied in with my sermon. So please make an effort to be here for that. Um, I also just want to continue to remind you guys, uh, life group attendance has been really good. It, it really has. But I just want to remind y'all that if you're looking to really experience community at Malvern Hill, if you're looking to grow here, life group is going to be the primary excuse me, the primary place that that happens. Uh, so uh, if you don't, our, our life groups, uh, if, if you're in a Southern Baptist context, it's, it's not exactly Sunday school. We meet at that time. But if you're interested in being a part of a life group, Pastor Kevin, who leads our worship, also helps to kind of keep all that stuff organized. So you can grab him after service. 
Hopefully, if you've been here for more than about 20 minutes, somebody has actually already spoken to you and said, hey, I'd love for you to come and visit our life group, but uh, just, just be aware, I just want to encourage you to do that, and we do have some life group fellowships that are going to be coming up, uh, I believe we set aside May the 23rd, that, that, that weekend for that, so life group leaders, hopefully you've already begun talking about that, if you haven't, I hope you will, and if you don't have a life group, we just encourage you, listen, here's the good thing, when we do these life group fellowships, what that means is even if you don't have a life group, you be, especially if you don't have a life group you belong to and you've been visiting two or three, you can hope that they all have their fellowships at different times. You could just hop around all the different ones and eat for free. So, figure out who has the best dessert. All right. Hopefully you've made it Second Chronicles chapter 7 by now. And we have a life group in my family that, that we're involved with, but I just want y'all to know if anybody's planning on like having shrimp for your life group fellowship, if you'll call me, I'll, I'll blow my folks off and I'll be there with you. If you want to have the pastor, just an opportunity for you to really bless the pastor's family. Be, be prepared. My kids eat a lot of shrimp. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 11 through 14. Now, just a little bit of context. You'll remember we had, we've seen how David had prepared for the building of the temple. Solomon comes in. Solomon actually builds the temple. The temple construction is completed. Uh, they've had a dedication service. The Bible says that the Lord answered by fire from heaven. And then the Lord comes to Solomon. And this is where we pick up in verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray you give us hearts of humility to seek the face of the Lord. Teach us to pray, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Teach us to pray. Isn't that an interesting thing that the disciples said to Jesus? They, they'd been with Jesus all this time. And when it came time for them to have a request, they didn't say, Lord, show us how to heal God. Show us how to multiply, you know, fish and loaves. No, Lord, teach us to pray. It was in that request that we get the model prayer or the Lord's prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, that was Psalm 23. I just said the exact wrong thing, didn't, didn't I? Wow, this is your pastor. Nobody wants to invite me to your life group fellowship now. Um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, there's a little bit of that that scholars don't believe was actually in Jesus' original words. That's why you'll get a little footnote in your Bible about that. But Lord, teach us to pray. This morning, I want us to talk about the prayer that God hears. And with that, I want to ask this question, does prayer matter? Folks, I, I believe prayer matters. I believe prayer matters because Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Jesus taught us to pray. When you pray, he said, don't be like those who stand up on the street corners. Go in your closet where nobody sees you, except for your Father who's in heaven. 
It was the book of James that, 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 that Jesus' brother James said, that the King James Version is what? The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer matters. Prayer works. But folks, often the way that we approach someone looking for something often matters, doesn't it? 16, 17, 18 years ago, I, I was serving on staff. I guess this would probably been 17 or 18 years ago. Now, I was serving on staff at a church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. It was the church I was at before I came here. I'd been there for about a year. And uh, I went to my pastor and I, I said, I said, brother, I, I believe that, or I said, I know that God's called me to pastor, and I believe that it's time for me to begin putting my resume out and looking for the opportunity to serve uh, in, in, in another capacity. And I was so grateful, just side note. What a wonderful blessing it was to have a pastor to whom, with whom I could, I could entrust that, right? I can go to him and say, I'm looking for another job, and he didn't, he didn't write me off. Instead, he sat me down. He said, let me tell you how we're going to do this. You write your resume, and then you give it to me. I'm going to proofread it, but when you write it, I want you to put my name at the top as your number one reference. He said, and then you need to take it to this guy because this guy can help you get that resume out. And when you walk into his office, you walk in and you hand him your resume and you look at him and you tell him, I sent you there. He said, I know him. He's my friend. He went on to say, hey, I, he was our director of missions in Spartanburg. He said, I was on the committee that brought him here and hired him to be there. When you walk in, you tell him, I sent you. He said, because he doesn't know you from Adam's house, cat. But when you tell him, I sent you, then that's going to carry a little bit of weight. You ever walked into a situation where you needed something from somebody and you needed somebody to tell you how to get it? You ever just been ignorant before? Why, why y'all look at me and judge me? I've been there, right? And y'all have all been there. And the only ones of you who won't admit it are too prideful to get what you want in prayer. So this sermon's just for you. That was supposed to be a little funny. Nobody laugh. Does prayer matter? Folks, I want you to know that the way that we approach someone looking for something often matters. And the way that we approach the Lord in prayer matters. And we come to this verse, this passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I believe that this is actually one of the most misused verses in all of God's Word. And I believe it's misused because sometimes we don't apply it to the right context. Right? But there's a particular people lined up in this passage. I want you to look at this this morning. There are three things that come about in the prayers that matter. Three things in the prayers that God hears. And the first thing that matters here is that, that, that the people who pray. There's a particular group of people mentioned in this passage. Not all people, but God's people. The Lord didn't say if celebrities pray or if athletes pray or if, or if politicians pray... The Lord said, if my people who are called by my name pray. We just came through the National Day of Prayer. It was Thursday. I participated in, a, in an event out on Knights Hill Thursday evening uh, with a group of pastors and, and some folks. Some of you guys came out and, 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 and we had a time of prayer. But the National Day of Prayer is a, a national event held across our country calling our country to pray. But folks, I want you to know that when this passage was written, it wasn't written to call America to prayer. It was to call God's people to prayer. And God's people are not confined by any country. 
God's people are not confined by the boundaries of any nation. Who are God's people? Not the United States of America. Not the nation of Israel. The true Israel is who? Is the people of God. Paul actually addresses this in Romans chapter 9. And in Romans chapter 9, he, he, refer, he, he, he contrasts the nation of Israel with the true Israel, the true children of God. And the true children of God are those who, who have not inherited something in the flesh, but are those who have inherited Christ, those who have called on the name of the Lord. The people of God are those who are blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ. So we should be really careful, first of all, that we don't name people Christian just because they use some Christian language occasionally. If you want to get my like skin crawling really bad, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Walk into my office after one of those, um, those award shows like the Oscars or something, okay, or the Grammys, and come in and tell me about some celebrity that thanked God when they got awarded and say they must be a Christian. Please come and tell me that after I look at their last six albums that have that, you know, parental warning for all the language that's in it. Please come in and tell me that. It's going to be awesome. Because I, when you tell me, I am going to Google it. And YouTube's going to be a wonderful thing. And it's going to show me this picture. And if it's a person that shows up there half-dressed or uh, announcing all these explicatives all over the world, and then they interject, thank God for this. Folks! Let's be careful that we don't say, well, those are the people. No, those are people who have learned to grab on to some kind of Christian language and use it for their own purposes. Same thing goes for, what have I got going with this microphone up here? Is that me? Y'all hear that? Is that just me? Okay, I have no idea. Maybe I'm losing my mind. The same thing, though, goes for, for politicians. Why do lots of politicians invoke God, when they're speaking, and, and remember, this is on both sides of the aisle, because they think that if they'll just mention God or Jesus or prayer, then all of us will go, oh, look at those Christian people leading. Come on! The people of God are God's people, and that's who this is written to, not to a country or a group, but to God's people. And the prayer that God promises to hear is the prayer that comes from His people does prayer matter you bet it does but it also matters who is offering these prayers if my people who are called by my name let me ask you this children of the lord are you praying are you praying god says that he will hear when he promise only comes when god's people pray are you praying to the Lord today? Are you giving? Did my mic just go out? Y'all. It gets bad. I get prosperity preacher style when I go with this one. Where were we? Okay. It, it, it's, it's when God's people pray. That's, that's what we need. That's the expectation. Not... Not that somebody prays, but that God's people pray. Why? Because God's listening when we pray. Where's children? Where's children? Y'all got that caller ID function on your phone? 
I know some of y'all, we were talking about this in our staff meeting, no, in a deacon's meeting the other night. We have a difficult time calling people anymore because most people allow their message, their, their, their phone calls to go straight to voicemail. Very few people actually answer their phone, especially if they don't know who it's from. They look at it and they go, don't know that number, and boom, it goes. Matter of fact, somewhere along the way, my phone learned to do this amazing thing. If it suspects that it's a spam call, it doesn't even ring to me anymore. It just goes straight to voicemail. It's kind of amazing. I, nobody's calling me right now to tell me about my car warranty that's ran out. Right? So, but, but guess what? When one of, my, one of my kids pops up on that caller ID, you know, whoop, what do you need? Especially if I know there's somewhere where they might be in need. If I get a phone call from the school during the school day, I'm answering that phone because I want to know what they're telling me as long as they're not telling me they've been quarantined for COVID. Then I'm going to hang up. I don't have anything to say to you. No, they didn't. They got tested six months ago and they were negative. But y'all, this is, this is the place that we find ourselves. The Bible says if my people who are called by my name. Y'all, what a privilege it is. God says if my people who are called by my name. If you are a person of God, <laughs> you get to have God's name on you. And he says if they will pray. We miss, we, we tend to see prayer as this burden, this responsibility. It's a privilege that God's people who are called by His name are invited into constant and regular communication with Him. Does prayer matter? It matters, but it matters in large part because of the people who are praying if my people would pray. That's the first thing we see this morning. The second thing we see that matters is the posture. Posture matters in prayer. Now, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Posture matters any time we're asking for something. You ever ask a favor for some? Or has someone ever asked you a favor arrogantly? Or have you ever, have you ever messed up and asked somebody something the wrong way in the wrong tone? Don't you love it? Somebody comes to you and they, they need you to do something. And, and they say something like, hey, I need you to show up at my house on Saturday morning. Help me move. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. How about, how about if we approach this a little different way? I think what you meant to say is, can you do that? This is a part of parenting, isn't it? We have to teach our children how to come and ask things in the appropriate and proper way. They, they, don't, they don't come here knowing that. We, we have to help them to understand that they don't get to just make demands on mom and dad. They, they need to, to be respectful about mom and dad. So posture matters in the way that we pray. It's, it's difficult um, for, for me personally to acquiesce to a request when it comes with a haughty attitude or a sense of entitlement. Somebody just walks up to me and they go, Hey, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do it tomorrow. Even if I want to do it, even if I can do it, when they approach me that way, I look here. Maybe it's just my sinful flesh rising up. I'm not sure exactly what it is I'm going to tell you. It's, it, it, it rises up within me. And I want to say no when they ask me that way. You understand? Why, why should we expect? Now, now, here's what we know about God is that He is far more gracious, merciful, and kind than I'll ever even dream or imagine being. But He's also far more great, majestic, and holy. Posture matters in the way that we pray. The Lord has called on us to come to Him with humility, repentance, and faith. The appropriate posture of prayer is the opposite of arrogance and pride. 
The prayer that God answers is not a proud prayer. Instead, it is a prayer characterized by a humble and contrite heart, a repentant heart, and a heart filled with faith, seeking the face of God. Do you know how to approach God in humility? Perhaps your prayers aren't being answered because you aren't praying the right way. Now, hold on. I'm not suggesting that there's this sort of magical incantation that you need to recite in order to get God to answer your prayers, okay? This is, this is not a special spell that you have to pronounce, and if you do it in just the right way. Look, this is, this is why we, we need to be careful when we're talking about people coming to the Lord in salvation. There's not a particular way and special words you have to say. The Bible says if we come to Him in faith and repentance, He will save. Okay, So we're not talking about special words or, or, or special power that comes in those things. We're talking about the appropriate posture. So per, perhaps your posture is wrong in prayer. There's a reason why we usually visualize prayer in a particular posture. Because when, when I'm kneeling, right, or, or even as we saw last week, when I'm prostrate, when I fold my hands this way, in, in so doing, I express need. When I'm doing this, I'm saying I can't. As a matter of fact, not only am I saying I can't, I'm saying I won't even try. You understand, in in this position, this this is not an offensive position. This is not a defensive position. This is a humble, surrendered position. Lord, I am at your mercy. This is why Jesus warned that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Because when we have everything that we need from the world, it can sometimes be difficult for us to understand the spiritual need that exists in our heart. The appropriate posture of prayer is one of humility. We fold our hands, we say, God, I need you. I need. Not I can. I need. There's a difference right there. Sometimes it takes us a long while to get to a place where we don't sort of wrap our prayers in a kind of false humility. Right? Because sometimes our heart is saying what even our words don't say. Our heart's saying, well, I don't really need this. Even as our words are going, God, I kind of need you to do this. God, I I could do this, but God instead, I need you to do it. There are things in my life that I could do, but if, if somebody else will do it, it would be better for me. We need to understand that when it comes to us before the Lord, there is so much that we can't do, and we desperately need Him to do it. The posture of our prayers matter. The proper and appropriate posture of prayer is a posture of of need, of want, of brokenness. That appropriate posture brings our attitude in line with truth and reality. What do I mean by that? You actually do need the Lord. Right? When you come to the Lord and you say, I need you, it's not as though you're faking something. Even if your heart doesn't want to fully believe it, you need the Lord. Even if you're too proud to admit it today, you need the Lord. And so an appropriate and proper posture in prayer is simply aligning our heart with the reality of the world, the reality of life, the reality of the situation. God, I need you. Folks, it begins with our acknowledgement of need and salvation. We need Him to be saved. 
It's Mother's Day. And all the men in here can acknowledge the need they have for the mama that raised them. But some of you are still too proud to even admit that you need the Lord. I do want to remind all of you, you will one day bow before the Lord. He will humble you either in salvation or in damnation. Please, correct your posture of of pride before it's too late. There is yet time. You need Him. The prayer that God hears is the prayer that acknowledges the truth of your situation. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God gives us the prescription and the description. The posture of prayer, that's the description of what we're supposed to do. But then there's this this prescription. It must include persistence and perseverance. If my people who are called by name would, uh, my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, seeking after him, there's this idea of persistence, of an ongoing um, going after, a seeking after the Lord. Seek his face. It's not a, a one-off prayer. This is face in the dirt, ongoing, heartfelt, grueling prayers. This is repeatedly knocking on the door of heaven. God, we're here. God, we've sinned. God, we need you. Seeking his face. The best way I know to describe this, and if there are better ways, y'all will forgive me. But the best way I know to describe seeking the face of the Lord is, is when we find ourselves... In, in, interested uh, as, as a young man for me in, in a particular lady and, and really doing whatever I could do to get her attention. I wanted to see her. I wanted to be with her. This is Angela, by the way. It wasn't somebody else, just so we're clear. Mother's Day, that would get me in trouble. Um, but, you know, there, there's this persistence. Side note, since it's Mother's Day, young ladies, if he's not persistent in seeking you out... Don't waste your time. Because if he won't seek you out when he's not married to you, he certainly won't seek you out when he is. Okay? Don't waste your time. And if you think I'm lying, what you need to do is you need to go with humility and an attitude of need to some of these ladies in here who are older than me. And they will tell you everything I'm telling you is true. Keep that in mind. We want you to be those good moms. We want you to have those good husbands that help you to raise those good babies. Find a man who will seek you. But anyway, seeking out. This is what it looks like to seek out the face of the Lord that I'm constantly running after. I'm constantly chasing it down. Because why? Because I need it. I need you, Lord. And so the psalmist said, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. Chasing, running, pursuing. That's the posture. But then we get to the promise. What is the promise? I will hear from heaven and heal your land. The big promise here is that God will hear. God will heal. God will act. There's a people, there's a posture, and there's a promise When God's people pray in an appropriate posture to the God of the universe, God hears and God acts. Now listen, God may not act as we think. 
He may not act as we think he should or as we expect, but he will act. 1 John 5.14 says this, This is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How can we know that we ask according to his will? Well, well, first of all, if we pray his word back to him, we know we're praying in the will of the Lord. Right? If, if, if As we sang just a few minutes ago, and I love that new song. But as, if, if as we sang, if, if his word says that he, he is with us, for instance, in the valley of the shadow of death, we can pray, Lord God, the valley is dark, but God, I'm praying that you'll be with me. And I've got confidence that in that place, I'm praying God's will. Because I'm praying His Word back to Him. Okay, so when we pray His Word back, then we, we can know that. But there, there are other ways here that, that as we pray, because sometimes there's not necessarily a specific Bible verse. There's not always a specific Bible verse that tells me exactly what God's will is in this particular situation. And this is where the promise interacts with the posture. There's an aspect of humility here that comes in. A humble prayer is one that bows before the God of the universe in this way. I do not always know what is best, but I will trust. Now, this does not mean that you should pray safe prayers. Okay? I've seen too many safe prayers in this world. When life gets bad, when the doctor gives a bad diagnosis, you know, when, when the kids are not doing what you want them to do, moms, when, when that child is straying from the Lord, in that place, there's nothing in God's Word that says that you should just find yourself going, well, God, whatever you want to do, I want you to do it. Our Heavenly Father hears us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, folks, we need to pray big, audacious, scary kind of prayers. Lord God, save my children. Lord God, cure my father. Father God, I, I, help me, God. Pray those prayers. Don't be afraid of the Lord. He's a loving, gracious, kind, heavenly father who doesn't sit up there going, ha-ha, see what you want, now I'm going to take it all away. Pray them. It's possible that our prayers will need to be redirected. It's possible that as we pray that the Lord... Is going to do something we didn't expect. Your kids ever come to you and said, I want this, whatever this thing is. And you, you had to look at them and say, I understand that this is what you want, but this isn't what you need. I love you and I hear what you're saying, but let me help you to get what you need. Sometimes that's the way the Lord's going to respond to us. Sometimes we're going to discover when we go to Him in humility that that which I wanted was not what I needed. But when we go to Him in humility, we understand that God always acts in accordance with what is for our good and His glory, that ultimately He has a plan that's bigger than us. But pray those prayers. Tell God what you want. Because there's a promise. God hears. There are times when it seems as though the church of Jesus Christ has grown impotent, has grown weak. Folks, I want you to hear me when I say this. It's not because we've not been loud enough in the culture. It's not because we haven't stood up to enough people. 
If the church of Jesus Christ is weak, it's because we've not humbled ourselves and prayed and trusted in the Holy Spirit to do what needs to be done. I mean, I, I, I hear these ideas. We got to take back our schools. We got to do this. We got to do that. Folks, what if I told you that you can't anyway? But He can. And the power found in the church of Jesus Christ is not found in a militant spirit of people who are running out to try and argue and pick fights and shout everybody down. But what if it's found on our knees, crying out to the God of the universe, Lord God, heal us, heal our land. We're talking about prayer. And when we start talking about prayer, the first place many Christians run to is it's time we put prayer back in school. And I just want to say, is there prayer in your house? That one hurt, doesn't it? You want to fight with a politician to put prayer in school, but you've not fought with your bed to get up early enough to pray. And until there's prayer around the kitchen tables and there's prayer around the bedrooms, until all those things matter, the rest of the public prayer won't matter because Jesus said that we need to lock ourselves in the closet and pray. And somehow along the way, we've confused this humble prayer that God hears with the proud prayer that makes us seem powerful. Instead of the humble prayer to the only one who is able. As we close this morning, do you need prayer? It's Mother's Day. You might need to pray for your mom. Moms, you might need to pray for your children. Many of you have family members who are far from Jesus. Have you prayed? Have you prayed? I don't mean those one-off kind of prayers. I did it on the way. I mean, have you prayed? But listen, what if you don't belong to the Lord? See, I said something earlier that excluded some folks. Because I said that the prayer that God hears is the prayer that comes from His people. And God's people are the people that belong to Jesus. The flip side of that is, you're smart enough to figure this out, that God doesn't have some commitment to respond to the prayers of people that don't belong to Him. God says, if my people pray, but what if you don't belong to Jesus? Can I tell you this? There's really good news. There's one prayer that God will answer from everybody. There's one. Because the Bible says this, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The prayer of salvation is the prayer that God always always hears many years ago I led a, a friend of mine to the Lord and, and to this day it's, it's one of my, my favorite stories but it was after midnight he prayed to receive Christ it had been a long few weeks of wrestling and, and battling do you know that after midnight in the middle of the week he called his mama and woke her up to tell her that he had accepted Christ. Some of you are here today because of your mama. But Lord might have other reasons for you being here today. Your mother got you. We talked about that in our life group this morning. Raise your hand. How many of you are involved in church today because your mama took you? Right? How many of you are involved in church today because your mama aggravated your daddy until he took you? Right? Boy, those mamas have a work. 
Some of you are here today because your mom asked you to be here. But she asked you to be here because she knows that what you need is Christ. She knows what you need is to humble yourself before the Lord. To pray and ask the Lord God to save you. See right here, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Your mom invited you because she wanted to see you, but she also knew that you need to turn today. Turn from the sin that so easily entangles. Turn from your sin and turn not to her, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the promise from God's word is that he will save you. You see, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that means you. But Jesus took the sin punishment that was yours so that you might be saved. As I like to say often, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. He'll forgive you. It also doesn't matter who you are, what you've been, or where you've been, or what you've done. You need Him. And as I said early. The day will come when you will be humbled before the Lord. When your posture will be one of humility. The only question for you today is this. Will I humble myself and accept Him as my Savior? Will I turn from my sin and be saved? Or will I wait for the day of judgment where His hand of punishment rests upon me and I'm humbled under that strong hand? There's one prayer that you can pray today that will change the world. One prayer that you can be confident that God will answer. God will hear your prayer of salvation today. So the invitation is very simple this morning. For some of you, today needs to be the day that as a follower of Jesus... You humble yourself. You seek His face. You pray for the Lord to send healing. And I don't know where that healing needs to be. It might be the soil, the land of your own family. Could be the land of your country. Could be, be the land of a friend. The Lord would send healing. The second part of the invitation is this. There's some of you here today who just don't belong to Jesus. And folks, I want you to know there is no shame in coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is a confidence in this. He will in no way cast you out. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we stand and sing in just a moment, if you would like to come up here and pray, for yourself, for family members, for friends. I just want to encourage and invite you to do that. Moms, if you want to come pray for your children, I'll invite you to do that. If you want to pray for your parents. But if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, Craig, I, I need to be saved today. Let me urge you, don't wait. God's given you an opportunity today. You need to be saved. This morning, I'd love to pray with you. You can come up here, you can grab me. 
I'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you'd be more comfortable with somebody else in this church you know that loves the Lord. Pull them. Grab them. Go get them. They'll, they'll, they'll walk out back with you. They'll talk with you about what it means to love Jesus, and they'll lead you to Christ. Do not let this moment pass. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But the Bible says there's none of us who is righteous, no, not even one. So what hope do we have? Very simply, the righteousness of Jesus Christ who stands in our place. And He will save you today. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you would work, move. Humble us, Lord God. Father, would you work to bring about salvation today? Father, there are no doubt some, maybe many here today, who as we've preached, as we've sang, Lord, have been impressed with the need to pray for a loved one, for a friend, for a family member, Lord God. Lord God, would you give us the courage and perseverance, Lord God, to seek your face on behalf of those who need you. And Father, for those today who need you right now, would you give them courage to step out to trust you and to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.